0: It's the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. All right, hello
1: and welcome to another week of the Five at the Back Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Charles, and I'm joined by Jen, Scott, Philip, and Eric, and we are back for another week of... Us crazy Americans talking about the Premier League. Uh we have we've, quite a bit that's gone on over the over the past week uh and quite a bit to look forward to as well. So uh this week we are gonna uh continue on. We're gonna start off uh this episode with our uh look at the final section of the table uh for the season in review. Uh Jen will be taking over and telling us about the the last seven teams. Jen, take over take it away.
2: Hey guys. Um so This was a assignment that was a combination of fascinating and absolutely depressing. Um, So the, the let's say six teams that I'm going to talk about um, Norwich, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, and West Ham. um, In order to really kind of understand who they are this year, it kind of helps to go back and look at um, the championship level um, and so in doing that, um, and it I was really cool, I actually got to use Christian as a resource to be able to do some of this research. Um, I was actually pretty intrigued to find that there's actually 24 teams um, in the championship level, which means they play 46 games. And um, at the end of their season, three, ter- three teams are going to earn promotion um, and they will feature in the next season's Premier League. Um, so the first and second place teams, um, automatically secure their promotion. Um, but third, fourth, fifth, and sixth actually play, um, like a mini tournament, um, where they play home and home, um, and then whoever wins, um, those home and home, um, games winds up playing in a final. And so three will play six, four will play five. Um, One of the things that's really fascinating is the third place team very rarely actually wins promotion. Um, And we actually see that in last year's results. So last year when it came to the championship level, um, Norwich won first, um, Sheffield United got second, and Aston Villa actually finished the regular season in fifth. Um, When you look at their – their final standings um, and their records. What's really kind of interesting is this year, at least for Norwich and Aston Villa, their final, um, uh, like their final records are almost the reverse. Um, and so that's, that's kind of depressing. Um, if you go back to 2017, 2018, um, Wolves, Cardiff, and Fulham were the teams that won promotion. Um, part of why that's kind of interesting is because Wolverhampton um, finished seventh last year, and so they were they they are kind of la- they are last year's um, Sheffield United for us um, this year. So it's it's kind of cool to be able to see um, how that's played out. So, like I said, Norwich won um, the Championship League, but unfortunately, they are sitting at the bottom of the table. So currently, um, they are sitting at 21 points. Their record is five, six, and 23. Right now, their goal, their goal differential is negative 37, um, and most of those, most of their 26 goals have come from open play. Um, Looking at their stats, um, they they're they're struggling. like um they're tied for the most goals conceded. They're tied for the fewest cl- like clean sheets. Um, they're also tied for the fewest goals per match. Um, some of their positives is they've got the fourth most saves per match, sixth most um successful tackles per match. Um, But really, and this is something that I know I've heard you guys mention, when we look at these relegation teams, um, really kind of what you, those of us that are fans of bigger squads um, or more successful squads are really kind of looking them as um, shopping opportunities. Um, So some names that you probably want to pay attention to from Norwich, Um, Bundia, who's the right winger from Argentina, like, so he's a 23 Argentinian. Um, he's got the the highest average rating um, their center forward um, Timu Pukki um, is 30 year old Finn um, is their top scorer and then Todd Cantwell is the name that I think probably most of you have probably heard he's the left winger 22 year old um, Englishman um, who's their second um, leading scorer yeah like Timu Pukki is absolutely yeah he's just he's fun um it's also fun to just say his name so um daniel farca has um, been their coach since 2017 he took them um up through the table um through the the championship into the premier league um and it's just they're exciting to watch they're they're just they've they've lost some heartbreakers um, do you guys have anything that you want to add on Norwich? Uh,
3: I do like Puki in his style. I mean, he, he is super fun to watch. Um, you know, he definitely is one of those guys who, who never stops and he's, a, he's a great natural finisher. He, he might not have like all the physical traits that maybe, you know, some of the, the great strikers have, but he can
4: definitely finish a ball. There's one thing I find admirable and also a little bit naive with them is they've tried to play the same style in the Premier League as they did in the Championship, which you admire a little bit, but then you see they've conceded how many goals? You say 37. Is it more than that? It's too many. They try to play so open, and their their matches are fun because they want to get out and play, but it's not the same level of competition. So it's admirable, but it's a bit naive.
2: So they've actually conceded. 63 goals, so their goal differential is negative uh,
4: 37. 37 was in my mind.
1: Really quickly, one name that, uh, that didn't come up in your list, <clears throat> understandably so, because he's a, he's a defender, but uh, he's uh, turning heads uh, as far as some of the bigger clubs, looking at, at transfer possibilities, is uh, Norwich's defender, Mac, uh, sorry, <laughs> um, just, just blanked on his name, Max Ahrens?
0: Right. Yeah, Max
1: Ahrens. Um, guy has been solid in the back the entire time and he's he's been getting looks from teams like Liverpool and City and even outside of the uh, uh, Tottenham as well. Yeah, uh, even outside of the Premier League as well. So uh, he's only 20 years old and so he's kind of one of those starlets to keep an
0: eye on. One thing that kind of jumped out to me is is I think a lot of fans look at the Premier League, maybe casual fans and think, oh, Norwich is you know trash, they can't play. But it really speaks to me if they finished first in the championship last year and they finished last in the Premier League this year. It really speaks to me that the difference in the level of play between the championship and the Premier League. It was just it kind of was eye opening for me um, how a team can go from first to one to last in the other.
2: Totally agree. Um, so, on to one. Right. So what we're sitting at is numerically, unless Norwich wins out. Um, so they're gonna it's next to impossible for them not to be relegated. um, their next uh match is against West Ham, so if they don't win that one, numerically they're done. So I think that'll be kind of an interesting battle to pay attention to later. So on to our now as a result of today's result. Um, our next to last place team, we are looking at Aston Villa, who um, is led by Dean Smith. Um, they are sitting at 27 points. Their record is 7, 6, and 21. Um, they have scored 36 goals and conceded 65, what puts their goal differential at 29. Um, And those most of their goals have come kind of from a mix of open play and set pieces. Um, They, again, when you look at the stats, it's just kind of a heartbreaker. They're tied for the most goals conceded. Um, They're tied for the fewest clean sheets. They're 18th in possessions, one in the final third. Um, Something positive, I guess they're fifth in the number of clearances per match. Um, I guess, if we were looking for something. Um, but again, kind of looking at that, um, looking as uh, at these kind of bottom um, relegation teams or on-the-bubble teams or going to be relegated teams, looking at their their rosters as um, as maybe menus for some shopping, um, some names that you need to pay attention to. Uh, their left winger, Jack Grealish, Um, 20, 24 year old Englishman, um, leads their rating, um, is also their top score. And, um, another one is going to be their center forward, Wesley, a 23 year old Brazilian. Um, and then, uh, their center midfielder, um, John McGinn, um, a 25 year old Scott. Those are all names. Do you guys have anything that you've noticed? Um, besides um, Jack Grealish's hair. He's got fabulous hair.
3: I think that Mr. Charles will be enjoying Jack Grealish's hair next year as he suits up for Manchester United in a 40 to 50 million pound deal this summer.
1: I don't know that we'll pay that much for him, honestly. I think that uh, if Villa do get relegated, that'll actually help our uh, our chances of getting him for maybe 35 or 40. Um, so I think we'll get him on the cheaper end, honestly. And realistically, the best part about that is also we can now look at it and say he is legitimately surplus to requirements and he he's going to come in and, and sit on the bench um, to be fair. So uh, but yes, no I would I am looking forward to having him uh, wearing a United kit next season.
3: Yeah. And, and one interesting thing that, you know, I was watching uh Netflix series, Sunderland Till I Die, I was talking a little bit about it with the group before this is, you know, most of these players have clauses in their contracts when they get relegated that they, you know, lose 20, 30, 40% of their wages because the money's just not the same in the championship versus the Premier League. So somebody like Grealish, who, you know, is has star potential or is at least a high level player you know he's not going to want to take that salary cut so he's
2: going to move on um to another club like united who can pay what he what he wants okay so um coming off a scintillating tie with tottenham burnmouth actually moves into the not next to last so they earned a point, um, which puts them at twenty-eight points. Um, their overall record is seven-seven and twenty at this point. Um, they have scored thirty-two, given away or conceded uh, fifty-nine, which puts their goal differential at twenty-seven. Which again, their um, their goals are coming from a combination of open play and set pieces. Um, Eddie Howe has been their skipper for forever um he's actually been with a club since 2012 um you know just they've they've really struggled this year um they're tied for fewest shots on target um their fourth fewest goals per match um, they're tied for the second most goals conceded um they're tied for the fewest clean sheets um and again you kind of you kind of look at um trying to find a positive to highlight um, they're first in clearances per match, which unfortunately means that their defenders are having to work their butts off. Um, looking at some names um, that you need to pay attention to. Um, Callum Wilson is a 28 year old Englishman who is their top scorer. Um, Harry Wilson is another one that's been super exciting to watch. Um, he is a right midfielder, um, 23-year-old Welshman, um, who is their second leading scorer, um, but he's on, li- on loan for Liverpool, so we got dibs. Um, and then um, their, last, their left back, um, Diego Rico, is a 27-year-old Spaniard um, who is their consistently highest-rated player. Um, when you guys think Bournemouth, what's come into mind?
4: Immediately, anger, but that's the Spurs fan. So, But r- really, all jokes aside, um, Nathan Aki is probably the player for me that I think has the biggest future. He's a left-sided, left-footed central defender. He's got a good pace, good size. He's He won't be there long. If they get relegated, he'll be one that gets snapped up. And honestly, depending on the price, he would do well in Tottenham.
3: Yeah. So if, uh, if they get relegated, do they keep their coach? I mean, he's been there for a while. I mean, it goes, it goes one of two, but one of two ways usually, you know, they they keep the guy and hope they can get him back or, you know, it's time for a fresh start. What do you you guys think about that?
1: My guess is chances are that we'll let him go and, uh, and pick up somebody new. Um, If, if I remember correctly, he was with them in the promotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Usually, when a coach goes from uh, from the championship into the Premier League and then they get relegated again, that's that's uh, kind of a cycle that the the club doesn't usually want to financially get into, uh, because the coach isn't going to want to back down on his pay either. So, uh, oftentimes uh, at this point, that that would be the point where they let the coach go and, and find somebody else to uh, bring in. But to follow up on on what Scott said about uh, Nathan Ake, that's uh, he's absolutely right. I think uh, I think <clears throat> probably the defender with the highest ceiling on that team. Um, as, you know Josh King is, has, has shown a lot of great things. And honestly, I think Josh King needs a new environment regardless of uh, whether they get relegated or not. Um, but uh, I, there have been rumors about uh, United going after Nathan Ake as
0: well. And I would not be disappointed at all if we uh, did go snap him up. Do you think Eddie Howell gets snapped up by somebody else? Because to me, he's a pretty solid manager. He hasn't had a lot to lot to work with at Bournemouth.
4: I mean question is the question is by who yeah you know he, he had his star was very, very bright a year or two ago, and he I don't know if he stayed loyal or they paid him to stay. He made a decision to stay. he had options, and he stayed, and here he is, so it depends who's out there. I, I don't think Newcastle you know with the new ownership is going to hire how you know it just depends on who and where the one of the problems with the English managers is there's a stigma on them and the way they play and the way they set their teams up. So there's not as much of a demand for the English manager outside of England. So they're very limited on where they can go.
3: Yeah.
1: They, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Phil.
4: I was going to say a lot of times, you know, these managers who do bring these
3: clubs back up through the championship, they just, you know, can't adopt long-term to the level or, or the style of play of the premier league. And you'll see them bounce back, go back to the championship and bring another team through. Um, <coughs> I can't think of his name right now, but um, there was a coach um, multiple times who did it, um, you know, and that's just more of the style where I would see him going versus somewhere in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that there's probably a legitimate shot that um, he his his coaching role, assuming <clears throat> that Bournemouth gets relegated, I, I think his his role is either he gets picked up by a championship club that... You know, currently is either without manager or, or relieves the their manager of his duties at the end of the season, or um, he goes unsigned um, through the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, inevitably, almost every season uh, a Premier League team cans their manager after after the, like five or six games uh, when they go winless, um, and so that I think is Eddie Howe's prime opportunity to remain in the Premier League is is being picked up by, let's say, you know somebody like uh, Brighton or. Uh, Palace or somebody like that did they you know can their manager in October and then and then Hal would have a real shot of coming in there.
2: I think of the ones we've talked about the so far I think Daniel Farka has the greatest chance of going down and not losing his job if they get relegated just because it's a team that's got a lot of family kind of Close knitness to it um, from the owners all the way all the way through, but um, yeah, no, I I definitely agree with your evaluation of Eddie Howe. If he does, if Bournemouth does wind up getting relegated because he's been there so long, messages getting stale, you know that kind of stuff. Um, but him proving to be something that is tempting for somebody that has, um cut cut their 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 skipper loose Yeah. so you guys ready to talk about some Watford real quick
3: uh, I don't think Eric and I are
2: yeah! uh. <laughs> okay so um Watford under Nigel Pearson um who came on board um this past December so he took over Um, right at the end of the year mid-season Watford is sitting at 31 points they have won seven um, drawn 10 and lost 17 their goal differential is sitting at negative 22 where they've scored 31 and conceded 53 the overwhelming majority of those goals are coming from open play um they've got, but like when you look at the stats, there's just some things that are kind of, uh, you know, they've either, they're either like smack dab in the middle. So they're middle of the table for clean sheets, saves per matches, successful tackles. Um, they're fourth in possession, one in the final third. Um, but when it comes to the, um, fewest shots on target, you know, they're just, they're down in the bottom. Um, so names that, um, you need to know Etienne Capoue is a Frenchman, um, 31, center, um, central mid left winger, Gerard Dufolo, um is a Frenchman that is currently injured, and there's center forward Troy Deeney, um, 23 English, you know, 23-year-old Englishman who's just mean. You guys got anything to add? Nope. So
4: I, I found something I found something interesting about Watford real quick. So there were they were one of the few clubs that to me didn't belong on this list. We put the list together, Jen and I, similar to last week with expected points, you know, based on the data, and then Jen went through um the schedule. Um and they they are well far and above anyone else on this list as far as the, the data goes with expected points. They're actually not to rehash some angry Spurs fans, they have a higher expected points per game than uh, Pochettino had when he was still in charge of Spurs. So the fact that they're down here is indicative of of that.
2: All right. So just real quick, kind of, because I just don't want to leave them off. West Ham United under David Moyes. Again, another manager that took over in December. 31 points, eight wins, seven t- draws, 19 losses. Um, goal differential is a little better. They're at negative 19. Um, two thirds of that is coming from open play. A third of it's coming from set pieces really with them. I think it's, we're looking at the, you know, if they go down, who's available Declan Rice, 21 year old Englishman, central mid left winger, Philippe Anderson, 27 year old Brazilian, um, are kind of two of the most familiar, but again, you know, just moments of greatness, moments of struggling. So there is your bottom of the table.
3: Now I know that I know that, uh, I know that uh, West Ham or sorry United fans are hoping that they don't get relegated because there's word that uh, Mr. Phil Jones and uh, possibly another player might be headed over uh, to West Ham if, uh, if they stay up, and that would be great for, uh, great for United to, to get rid of uh, a couple of uh, outcasts.
1: It'll just help us finance some of those other transfers, let me tell you. I <clears throat> I think Phil Jones is the epitome of how does this guy keep getting work? Like we we wonder why we continue to sign him to deals every single year. And I guess there's something he does on the training ground because it's it's not really shown on the pitch. That's for sure.
3: Phil's just get the contracts, man.
1: Indeed. He's like uh, he's like Josh McCown. It's like he's like <laughs> a perennial backup that's that <laughs> is there to support the team and make the money. So all right, uh Jen, so we're you were covering those bottom table teams, and uh, you know we did a little thing where we uh did an expected points and picked an over under on the on the top teams. What do you say we uh we do one for the bottom teams? Does that sound like fun?
2: i I think that sounds fabulous. All right, so Norwich is sitting at twenty one points. they've got West Ham, Chelsea, Burnley, and Man City over under. 23 and a half points so Charles what you got
1: I'm gonna go under I I don't see Norwich winning another game maybe pull one draw out and that's
2: about it that's okay Eric what you got now you're Eric you're muted
3: Uh, so this is Philip. I've got them as my underdog this week, so I think that they will go over because they are going to get the win this week.
2: Oh, poor West Ham! All right, Eric. <laughs> I love it. You got?
0: All right, I'm back. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Charles. I going to see him win another game as well. That's a tough fixture list, so I'm going to go under.
2: Okay, Scott.
4: I love the number because you either pick them to win a match or you don't. You know, it's over or under. I'm going under too. They're not going to win another game.
2: All right, so just just to belabor this one for a second, if we change the number to 21.5, if we we asked if you thought they could pull out a draw and their remaining four, would you go over-under? Just real quick. Charles.
0: Over. I think they Eric. do something, but not on their own account.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: <laughs> Eric. I, I would do over as well if he gave me that. I already picked over, so I'll stay with that.
2: That's consistent. That's good. All right, Scott. Over. Okay. Well, I I hope for their sense like for their. For, oh yeah, I just want them to win something. Anyway, all right, Bournemouth. Wait, Jen, um, what was your pick? Um. Yeah, I'd I'd go under if we're looking for a win. I'd take them. I'd go over if we would pull a, a tie. But I guess we'll see. So, Skiff, you're going to win big if you're you're right on this one. All right, so Aston Villa, 27 points. Their remaining schedule, Crystal Palace, Everton, Arsenal, and West Ham. What would you take, over, under, if 29.5? So, of those, you think they can pull a win, at least one. So, Charles.
1: Over. I think they uh, definitely beat West Ham on the final day.
2: Poor West Ham. All right, Eric.
0: I'm going to say over as well. They're, they're showing me a little bit of something. They're not kind of rolling over and playing dead like Norwich, so I would say over. <laughs> all
2: right. Skiff?
3: Uh, I would say depends on Grealish's health. He picked up a little bit of a knock versus Liverpool, so I am going to
4: go under.
2: Ooh, all right, Scott, what you got?
4: While I love the West Ham hate, I'm going to go under. <laughs> they're going to lose that one. <laughs>
2: Oh, so, yeah, Um, I'm going to go under as well. All right, so Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth is sitting at um, 28 points. Their remaining schedule is Leicester, Man City, Southampton, and Everton. Um, so, again, they're coming off that tie from today. You guys think they can make it to 30.5. So, all right, think about that for a second. All right, Charles, what you got?
1: Uh, I've got them on the over. Uh, I actually, Bournemouth is one of my teams that I think is going to escape relegation. I think that they stay Woo-hoo! up
0: in the Premier League this year.
2: So, Eddie Howe's going to be safe another year. All right, Eric, what you got?
0: I'm going to say over as well.
2: Cool. All right, Skiff.
3: Uh, to quote uh, Shuffield United fans, you're going down,
4: you're going down, I will take the under. <laughs>
2: all right scott what you got
4: considering the result today this is embarrassing but under
2: i'm actually going to go with under as well so all right um that brings us to watford um one of our two with 31 points all right so 31 points their remaining schedule is newcastle west ham man city and arsenal do you guys think they've got enough to be able to reach 34 and a half points. So that is a win and a tie.
1: Can you repeat their remaining schedule for me?
2: Newcastle, West Ham, Man City, and Arsenal.
1: Oh, I love this. Uh, Yeah, I I think I'm going to go, I'm going to take the over. Uh, I think Watford beats West Ham. And I think that they draw with Arsenal on the final day just that would be glorious it's total arsenal.
2: it's
4: arsenal are you pandering ever seen? this is pandering to, i'm not pandering
1: that's i i i this is that would be typical arsenal that is, is exactly what arsenal would do i love it
2: i'm here for it either way yeah okay all right so who's up who's up so eric what you got
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Charles to go over. That totally that's that's doable winning a tie and I can see Arsenal doing that as well, so I'm gonna go over.
2: Okay, Skiff.
3: Lots of Arsenal hate on there. I picked them last week to win twice. They will win their final match. I will pick the
4: under. But West Ham
3: losing. All right.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, Scott, what you got?
4: I got them smashing the over here. 37, I think they end on. Like I said earlier, the, the data loves them relative to some of these other clubs. So I'm going over.
2: Damn. All right. So I uh, winning a tie is hard numerically to do. But I think they can probably beat West Ham and tie one of the remaining other ones. So I will actually go with the over. Um, all right. West Ham our second club sitting at 31 points. Their remaining schedule, Norwich, Watford, Man United, and Aston Villa. Do you guys think between all of that, they can actually pull two wins? Can they get to 35 and a half points? Uh,
1: This is probably going to end up in in like some sort of a reverse jinx um, with David Moyes (laughs) just throwing it right back in my face. But uh, West Ham faces – three teams uh in the bottom area and Mm -hmm. Man united and i think west ham lose all four i think west ham west ham is my is my third team that i think goes
0: down this season (laughs) Um, i i really hope i'm right
2: eric what you got
0: as much as i'd love to agree with that because i'm not a big fan of theirs either but um i think with that fixture list i think it's i think it's doable so i'm gonna go over
2: All right, Skiff, what you got?
3: I hated Moyes when he was at Everton. I hated Moyes when he was at United. Under, you're going down also, David Moyes.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm picking up some underlying hostility, but that's okay. All right, Scott, what you got?
4: This is my favorite podcast. Um, I'm going under. You know that.
2: All right. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go under on this one so um anyway all right brighton currently sitting at uh 36 points their remaining schedule man city southampton newcastle and burnley do you think out of those four remaining games they have enough to get to 38 and a half points can they pull a win from that
1: okay for the over under um yeah, i'm gonna, I'm gonna take the over I think they pull out pull out one of those games or possibly draw twice um but overall I think all they need is one draw to be safe um in in the longs in this game, grand scheme of things
2: okay do you think they'll get like do you think they'll get a win though to get the thirty eight and a half? 38
1: and a half yeah. e- either yeah, one of the two so either they'll get a, a win or they'll get two draws and and make it over the over the home. I think that was your number, right? 37 no. and a half. No, they, they half, have to eight? get three draws. Oh, okay. So they have to win? Yeah, sure. Why not? They I'll have to either
2: win or three draws. Okay.
1: They've they, impressed right. me this season.
2: Okay. And they played, I mean, against, you know, Liverpool. They made it interesting. So, um, all right, Eric, what you got?
0: I agree with you guys. They've shown me a little bit this year. And, and Jen, uh, our game uh, the other day showed me a lot. The middle third of the game, they kind of took it to us a little bit. Maybe sweat a little bit. So I'm going to go over.
2: All right, Skiff,
3: how about you? They are not going down. Um, I see it at, at least three points out of there. I mean, maybe it's three of their last games they tie or they get a win,
4: but I'll go with the over on this one.
2: Okay. Scott, how about you?
4: So I talked about Watford. The data loves Watford. The data loves Brighton more. They actually are looking at 1.3 expected points per match. I think they crushed that number. They're easily over.
2: Nice. Okay. Um I'm going to I don't want them to win any of them, but I think they probably can at least win one, so I will take the over um all right Crystal Palace is our final one sitting at forty two points um their remaining schedule is Aston Villa, man United, Wolverhampton, and Tottenham. Do you think out of all of that they can? pull a win and at least one tie. So 45 and a half points, Charles. Charles.
1: Uh, No, I I go with the under on them, uh, but I also think they're safe from relegation.
2: I totally agree with that evaluation. All right, Eric, what you got Uh, under as well. Okay.
3: Skiff. I'll take the under with a Roy Hodgson
4: uh, sacking in the off season.
2: (laughs) All right. Scott, what you got?
4: Under, and he gets replaced by Eddie Howe.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, Love it. Enough.
0: I can fair see enough. that.
4: Yeah.
2: So, um, I think they'll probably pull – No, I think uh, at this point I can maybe see them maybe beating Aston Villa. Um, but I don't think between Man United, Wolverhampton, and Tottenham, they it would be a surprise. So, I'm going to go with the under. So, I. So these are noted, and we will come back and evaluate these at the end of the season.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Jen. All right, so we're moving on to our next section. Uh, we're going to go over our featured matches from last week. Uh, we want to cover the things that we, that we did talk about in, in, in detail. Uh, last week, we had selected uh, Wolves versus Arsenal and Tottenham versus Everton. Uh, unfortunately, our choices of featured matchups did not turn out to be very featurey in the in the outcome those were uh two uh exceptional snooze fests uh even that's even coming from people who who were uh, fans of those clubs um so instead we're going to talk about some of the games that surprised us uh i'm gonna start off i'm gonna kick things off being the man united fan i gotta i gotta go with a little bit of homerism right now uh and talk about how Man united are rolling right now two matches since our last podcast uh we scored eight goals only allowed two uh, we are now on on a streak of four games where we've beaten teams by at least three goals that's the first time that's ever happened in the premier League era uh so you know we we smacked Bournemouth pretty hard uh and then came out today. We started flat against uh uh against villa, but you know pushed through and and honestly the second half it looked it looked like we were just toying with them like just flicking the ball around doing basically whatever we want so uh what are some of the games that uh, surprise you guys?
3: I don't know if it was a surprise but Liverpool won again and you know they've got 92 points which is already more than Manchester United ever registered in a 38 game season and we've only played 34 games, Uh, but in all seriousness, I mean the shocker of the week obviously was uh, Southampton beating city. Uh, I mean if you had put money on a game. for an underdog, and you had won that, you would have had my instant respect. i put your hand down. Uh, so, <laughs> you did not. Uh, I picked no, them as my crazy. automatic loser. I was, I was the other way around. Fair enough, Charles. Uh, but yeah, no, that, I mean, that was, uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, I think the city had like 25 or 26 shots. and. You know, just could not convert, and maybe they're they're missing uh, Sergio Aguero. We'll see how that affects them uh, for the rest of the season and and into the Champions League because he's uh,
4: definitely a proven finisher.
1: Any other games pop out to you guys?
4: Just real quick, I thought it was interesting. Chelsea has had a couple of matches since the last pod. They looked like world beaters against Watford, took them down three nil, and then a couple of days later they played Palace, who if you remember my recap last week of the season wasn't exactly uh, shining. They struggled. Honestly, they beat them 3-2. They were lucky to win. Palace was battering them there towards the end. So the, you know, 48 hours later, it looked like a completely different Chelsea side. So I think they're still finding their feet under Lampard.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So we had some we had some exciting ones um, that popped up that may have you know just been a little bit off of our radar um, other than the ones we did actually select. So I'm going to take that and carry it right into our featured matchups for this week. We're going to hope that these games are as uh, exciting as we as we are expecting them to be. Uh, For the first one, I'm going to turn it over to Eric. He's going to cover Sheffield versus Chelsea.
0: Well, that's a great, uh, great intro. Great rollover to uh, Sheffield United versus Chelsea. We're just discussing them. Um, it's a good feature. Chelsea's plan to hold on to their number three status in the top four with their 60 points. Um, uh, Chelsea's right behind with 59 and Man United's is right behind them with 58. So it's really nicely tightly packed up there fighting for those champion league spots. Um, Sheffield's hanging in at seventh place right behind Wolves and still alive for their Europa League spot. They're holding off uh, Arsenal, Burnley and Spurs in that spot. So it should be um, table wise should be a good matchup. Um, some injury reports for fitness. Um, Shuffle United, McGoldrick is uh, doubtful with a foot injury. Clark, Freeman, and Fleck are out a few weeks, also with ankle and muscle injuries. Um, the big one for Chelsea, uh, Conti, is out a few days with his hamstring. Uh, Kovacic, Tamari, and Van Ginkle are all doubtful for various muscle and knee injuries. Um, over to some stats here. It's a pretty close matchup here. I was looking at some stats earlier. Um, this, the uh, scoring per match, Sheffield United um, scores, averages uh, eight tenths of a goal per match. Um, Chelsea scores uh, or averages 2.4 uh, goals per match. Um, Conceded's a little bit closer. I thought it was interesting. Sheffield was at uh, 1.6 conceded. At, uh, Chelsea's at 1.4 for a total of Chelsea 3.8. When you take both of them in consideration, and Sheffield's at 2.4. Um, I was looking also looking at some strategy. Last time they met, it was actually a 2-2 uh, draw. Um, Chelsea got up to a, a quick 2-0 lead. Um, Sheffield, I was reading, was playing like a 3-5-2 and not pressing, but just kind of holding them tight in the mid formation, kind of just meeting where they were. Um, they weren't pressing uh, very much. They weren't getting many scoring opportunities, but then um, they came out the second half. They started pressing more, and that led to a couple of Chelsea turnovers in their zone. And it ended up with a uh, 2-2 draw. So, he snatched uh, he snatched victory out of the jaws of a, a defeat there, I guess. So, Or actually, a draw. So, it should be a good match. I'm um, looking forward to it. I think I'd say if I were to make a prediction, it would be a tough match going down to the final wire. I'd say Chelsea wins something like 2-1. What are you guys' thoughts?
1: Well, as far as the uh, score go for that one, it is one of our, our p- uh, pick pick'em games this week. So I think we'll uh, we'll pass that uh, description on to that section of tonight's pod. So uh, instead, I'm going to go ahead and pass things over now to for our second feature matchup to Scott, who's covering his Spurs versus
4: Arsenal. So it's the North London Derby. And going into these, regardless of form, I'm never comfortable. We could be top of the table. Arsenal could be. In relegation it, it wouldn't matter it's one of those matches that you can never be comfortable with currently we're ninth on 49 points and arsenal are eighth with 50 so it's a it's a big match as far as the europa places go especially depending on how eric's match up there goes with sheffield so arsenal are in great form they've won four of the last five and the one match they drew was against leicester and they were controlling that match pretty well until Nketiah took a red card um, after being on the pitch for maybe two minutes. I mean, that was kind of sad. He hadn't even touched the ball, and he gets set off. And he's a young kid, so he'll learn. Very talented, but that, that was a tough one. So they could have very easily been coming into this match uh, five on the bounce. Spurs for him, not so good. Uh, just to just to let you in behind the curtain, I had a note that said Spurs form is iffy, and that was before we drew to Bournemouth. So I scratched out iffy and in an angry handwriting. It says poor form. Uh, we've we've drawn two, won two, and lost one, and we haven't looked particularly good in any of those. So I think Jose is still trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who his best players are and and what the best formation is. So. Some team news, there's a couple of big ones. Like I mentioned, Eddie and KT is facing a three-match ban for that straight red against Leicester. And Eric Dyer, maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later, he um, is facing a four-match ban from an incident in February where, real briefly, there was a a Spurs fan that was upset after a a tough result. And Eric Dyer's brother was in the crowd. The fan was going after Eric's brother. Eric, big guy, is not going to take any... Uh, Not going to take any nonsense from his family. He literally went into the crowd and tried to defend his brother and got a four-match ban. So he's facing the second of the four uh, Sunday against Arsenal. Some injury stuff. So um, Burned Leno got injured in the 2-1 loss to Brighton in June. Um, He's their goalkeeper, was their first choice goalkeeper. But since then, Emiliano Martinez has stepped in and done a really good job. He's started four matches and kept a clean sheet in three of them. And the only one he didn't keep the clean sheet in was Leicester, and as I said, that was a clean sheet until the red card from Nketiah. So he's he's doing a pretty good job. And then the other injury issue is Delhi is for Spurs. Delhi Ali's hamstring has him as questionable, so that that will cast kind of a doubt over Spurs. It's interesting. Arteta has consistently lined Arsenal up in a three-four-three, which conversely with what jose wants to do we've been lining up in a 4-3-3 for the most part and that the 3-4-3 matches up really well with with 4-3-3 so i'm curious to see if arteta maybe shifts his formation otherwise the weakness of a three at the back generally is the space behind the fullbacks and outside of the center central defender so that space on the wings and so you're going to have Bergwine, mora or sun living in that space so either their fullbacks are going to be pinned back or they're gonna change the formation. One of the two, that's gonna be big, big for this one. Arsenal are gonna have a lot of success, I think, with their front three. You've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, a young kid named Saka. They've got plenty of options, plenty of pace, and plenty of finishing ability up front. And that that will be a deciding factor here. I think that uh, if, if Spurs are gonna have any success, it's gonna be exploiting the wide areas because of the formation that Arsenal will play. Um, and the critical part for Arsenal is going to be how they, one, handle the wide areas defensively because they've got Hector Bellerin and uh, Tierney on their fullback spot. They're very pacey, full energy. They can run the full flank. So that's going to be important. And also how Arsenal are able to press Spurs midfield. Harry Winks is probably going to play. He handles the press as bad as well as I would. And Musa Soko handles it worse. So if they press us in midfield, they'll control possession. And the only way Spurs will have any success is likely on the counterattack. Luckily, we're, we're pretty good at that. So I think it's going to be competitive. It's going to be exciting because there's not a lot of defense. You you guys know David Luiz is the cog at the center of their back three, which is hilarious. Um, surrounded by Kolasinac. Right. And he's flanked by Kolasinac, who is a, a fullback who just can't run. And Mustafi, who is... You know, if it wasn't for Louise, he would look like a little bit of a um, a sideshow Bob back there, too. Although he's been better. Arsenal fans don't come at me on Twitter. Mustafi's been a lot better. He's worth he's worth being on the starting 11. So I see this, and you guys might be shocked. I don't pick a Spurs victory here. I see it as a 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be up and down. I think it's going to be wide open. And uh, I think the dire injury plays a role, or the dire suspension, excuse me, plays a role, and it ends up 2-2.
1: Yeah, it's got brought up some really good points, and honestly, um, one of the things that uh, that could really be a difference maker is what you brought up, uh, Emiliano Martinez for Arsenal. Um, the, he has honestly he's he's looked great since he's he's come in, um, and one of the advantages he has is the fact that Burn Leno is out for the remainder of this season, so it's his job. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He can train with the first team knowing he's going to go in and he's the guy for those, these remaining games. Honestly, that's going to do loads for his confidence. And I wouldn't be surprised if other teams come calling once, uh, once Vern Leno is uh, returns to fitness. So, okay, we are, uh, we're moving on to the next section. We're, uh, we're rolling into our pickums. I'm going to turn it over to Skiff. If you would uh, give us a quick rundown on the, uh, the standings after all the games from this past week.
3: Absolutely. So um we uh, indeed, when Charles was out uh, his first week, he did not make a pick. Um, so we are gonna go ahead and get give uh, the one match that Christian got right uh, to Charles in his standings uh, as as only a uh, a little fair thing here. Um, but overall, it was a great week for um, yours truly. Arsenal led me to uh, two points in last week's standings. um so the uh, the updated standings, Jen. You uh, you remain in the top spot. Uh, So Jen has correctly picked nine Charles uh, into second with eight and then uh, Scott myself and Eric uh, are all tied on seven. So really a competitive close match and Christian is somewhere uh, around the Aston Villa land um, in the standings. So (laughs) that is where we are at right now
1: awesome thank you very much skip okay so uh we've got uh we've got five games chosen this week actually skip was was the man to choose them um so i'm gonna go around uh and let's see what everyone has picked a first game up sheffield versus chelsea one of our feature matchups uh i'll uh, i'll go last
2: on this one so let's go with uh, eric first muted turn the turn the mic on
3: Well, I've, I've got Chelsea. Go near. Yep. I've got Chelsea. Ta- I mean, got you gotta go, here. Got to go with the American, right? I mean, he's been right. hot lately. Pulisic's been uh, in Fuego. It's around the 4th of July. He's just going to continue to bag goals. So I have Chelsea. All
0: right. Back to me. I'm going to go um, up now. I'm going to go uh, Chelsea, just like I said in my preview. Something like two to one.
1: Two to one, Chelsea. All right, Jen.
2: I'm actually going to take a draw on this one.
4: All right. Very good. Scott? Saddens me deeply to cheer for Chelsea, but given we're fighting with Sheffield for Europa, it's two-one Chelsea. Ugh. fair enough. Uh total homer call on this one. Uh, she-
1: uh Sheffield comes through with a two to one victory over Chelsea, allowing United to catch up. All right, next game. Uh Leicester versus Sheffield. Game on Thursday of next week. Eric. Uh
0: I'm gonna go a close one as well. I'm gonna go I think Sheffield, I'm gonna go something like one-nil. I think they'll give them a match.
1: It'll be a great
2: match. Cool. Jen? I am actually – I'm going to go with Sheffield United on this one.
4: All right. Very good. Scott? I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. Leicester has just not looked good. Had they not seen the red card with Arsenal, they would have lost that game. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that one. All right. Phil?
3: Since I've now learned to pronounce them – I'm going to choose Leicester. <laughs>
1: Congrats on the pronunciation. Very good. Uh, I, I concur with Scott for my pick. Uh, I think Leicester have looked below average and are not looking like they're going to uh, beat anybody but the teams at the very, very bottom of the table. So Sheffield with a 2-0 a victory over Leicester. All right. Game number three, our other feature matchup, Spurs versus Arsenal.
0: Eric. I saw this fixture on the list, and I don't like it at all, just because I can see it going either way for any team. It could be a draw. It could be a 2-1 Spurs or 2-1 Arsenal. Or I, I, I'm going to go 2-2 draw. All right. Jen?
2: I'm actually going to go, Scott. I'm hoping that my positive energy can help you guys out, because I'm, I'm picking Tottenham on this one.
4: All right. Scott? Well, I'm glad you have positive energy towards Spurs, because VAR and the referees don't. Not to be that guy, but uh, just just search it on Twitter. I'm not going to belabor it. 2-2. Two, two, draw. All right, Phil.
3: Arsenal were good to me last week. Arsenal will be good to me this week. Come on, you Gooners. All right. and right. We're going to change since... it to
4: four at the back. Change it to <laughs> four at the back next week.
3: <laughs> well, my
1: pick, since both teams can't lose, uh, is going to be Arsenal. Uh, I think Arsenal come through and steal them. Arsenal have more firepower up front right now. I'm sorry. they're, they're Three at the back. And Spurs are not really uh not really holding it together back there in the way that they should. So that's my uh that's my pick there. Okay, on to game number four. My boys, Man United facing Southampton on Monday.
0: Eric. As much as it kills me to say, Man United is rolling right now. They got a great combination up front, working well together. They got the youngster Greenwood uh, cooking as well. Um I'm gonna go Man United, something like like three All All right, Jen? Man
2: United. Like, it's right. it's probably not going to be pretty.
4: <laughs> Fair enough. Scott? Eric, we're you three. now. All right.
3: Very good. Uh, Phil? I mean, I hate myself, and I hate the fact <laughs> that I'm looking at your United jersey. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick them to win because I don't want to be last in this. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, it's done me a lot of pleasure to have all all of the uh, Liverpool fans choosing Man United to win. Um, that in itself is, is enough for me. This game, unfortunately, is going to be the United's dip, uh, and we will squeak out a win, probably one nothing or two one against Southampton. All right, fifth game, fifth and final game. We have Burnley versus Wolves. Uh, Eric.
0: Oh, this is gonna be this is another one I didn't really like either. Could go either way. I'm gonna go. Uh... Oh gosh. I'm gonna go
2: Wolves, I'll with, like one 0 I'm also right. gonna pick yep. I'm also gonna pick Wolverhampton. Um I just think they're gonna be kind of smarting after this week. So yeah. Very
4: good. All right. Scott Wolves form is dangerously similar to Lester's. So I'm gonna go with the draw. I think it'll be an ugly one. One one.
3: All right. Phil. I'm going to go with Wolves. I I think that they'll pull it out. I mean, we'll see, but I think that they got the talent to do it. Very good, very good. All right,
1: uh, yeah, I I agree. Wolves have uh, Wolves have been really hot and cold. Burnley, on the other hand, has uh, been shockingly good lately. Um, although I, I I think this is going to be Wolf, one of Wolves' stronger games. I'm going with a two-two draw. All right, moving on from our pick'em into our automatic loser. Uh, this is the team that we feel has absolutely no
0: chance of uh, of winning this coming week. Uh, Eric, you're up first. I think West Ham is my automatic loser. I, I think they're. I just don't think they have enough this week, so I put them down as my automatic loser. There's no way they're winning. Very good. All
1: right, uh, Jen.
2: Um, I'm actually going with Norwich, um, against Chelsea. Uh, just, uh, it's probably going to be painful to watch.
1: Gotcha. All right, Scott.
4: I want to come back and win this thing. So I'm going to be lame. Uh, Brighton (laughs) against city Saturday.
1: Brighton against city on Saturday. All right. Uh, so you, so you're saying that Brighton is going to lose. That is
4: devastatingly so. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Just want to clarify and make sure. All right, very good. Okay, Phil.
3: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take my auto loser as Spurs. Oh man! What? Now, Damn!
4: Uh, that was What so the hell is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> all of you, all of you who are listening and can't actually physically see us, uh, Scott is making gestures right now, and uh, it's a good thing this is not a video podcast.
0: Uh, now we're down to no, two of them.
3: <laughs> no, I've been, I've been kicked
0: out twice. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want me running the show, so we got to recruit. I don't. <laughs> Phil Phil has
1: officially gotten a red card. He is, he's yeah. got a sort of a three podcast ban. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, um, yeah, I uh, I actually side with uh, with Scott on this one. My uh, my pick for the automatic loser was also Brighton. Uh, City's coming out, city. When City puts the right mindset in, they're flying high, it's just like uh, they're looking as dangerous as Liverpool or Man United. So um, I don't think Brighton is going to put up much of a fight this weekend against them. Okay, and on to our underdogs. Who's going to step up this week and,
0: and topple, the, uh, topple the Giants? Uh, Eric? I think Newcastle versus Watford. I think Newcastle's form has been uh, pretty decent recently. And they should it should be enough. Believe it or not, they were. I looked at the offside. They were an underdog. I was surprised to see that. But I would pick Newcastle over a Watford for an underdog victory. Very good. All right. Uh,
1: Jen? Uh,
2: the fact that they're the underdog, just that is a question mark to me. But, okay, uh, smarter people than me are doing the odds. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say um, Sheffield United versus Leicester. I'm, um, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Very
1: good. All right. Scott?
4: So I think form wins out here. Everton is a dog to Wolves, which is kind of ironic, Uh, but Everton, they're going to be Wolves on Sunday.
1: That's one of those unusual ones, isn't it? It doesn't seem like uh, Everton should be a dog to Wolves, but uh, it is what it is. All right, Phil.
3: Uh, Scott, uh, just take a little uh, step back from the screen because (laughs) my (laughs) underdog pick I am going to triple up on Arsenal to go ahead and do the deed and put me into first place in this pick'em contest. <laughs> Arsenal are my pick.
1: Wow. Uh yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't hear from <clears throat> Skiff, he will uh, fi- have officially been exiled from the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, whether Send that's all inquiries
4: be. to F-I-V-E-A-T-B <laughs> on Twitter. would like to join the pod.
3: Also see uh, COI you, <laughs> for Scott's ranting after this or his uh, comments <laughs> on my terrible pics. Oh,
1: we're going to come back to, uh, to Skiff's uh, Twitter account being uh, shut down uh, randomly and mysteriously. Very good. All right. And uh, I get a chance to piss off the entire podcast. Uh, My uh, underdog victory is Burnley over Liverpool on Saturday. Burnley going to (laughs) show out against Liverpool and topple the Giants. Giants. I mean, Liverpool's been up and down since they won the title. There's no guarantee that they're going to be high flying. I think Burnley shows up and and puts a little bit of a smack down on them. Uh, so now that I have them all grimacing and, and feeling the burn that the that Skiff gave to us,
2: Scott.
3: Uh, you do realize... Feeling the burn for Burnley? <laughs> just just yeah, real burn, quick. The Burnley. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you you do realize they're playing at Anfield, yeah. right? Yeah, but you don't and have any you fans. Do,
1: That's going to be very intimidating right, but, and Really, any fans. But,
2: math. but, but you also reasons. realize Burnley? that...
1: Burnley's <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> so we made we made history again right? Just recently because we were the fastest team in the history of English football to get to 30 wins. Yeah. yeah?
1: And history, the keep bringing up old in stuff in the Premier League without something to play for. So there we go. Okay.
4: We'll see. <laughs> also the Jordan Henderson injury might have a role well. there.
3: Do as well. He
4: he picked up an injury to his knee.
3: Yeah. So, I don't think that hurts us as much as, as necessarily you think because Henderson and Fabinho kind of play a f- similar role. So getting them both on the pitch at the same time sometimes hurts us. So possibly helps us a little bit with cohesiveness, but you never like to lose your captain.
1: Leadership gone off the field. I mean, I I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know. I think they just crumble. Just come out completely (laughs) flat. Uh, We'll we'll go ahead and predict six-nil Burnley. Six-nil Burnley.
2: Okay. So the last time Burnley beat Liverpool was 2016. Just, but you know what you do, you babe. You do. It's fine. We'll move on.
1: That that actually that makes me curious now. While, while while you're doing your the next segment, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up to see when the last time Burnley beat United
3: was. She just said, "Bless your heart."
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did. I really did. Okay.
4: Who would have Who would have said that? I was the one that handled being picked against the best. I, I'm just. I can't believe that.
1: Oh, actually, it was this year. That's unfortunate. But... This is the best.
4: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: that's, not, that's really not that bad. Uh, prior to... Was it at home? This, was it at home, too? Uh, no.
4: Okay. I don't think so. <laughs>
1: uh, but um, prior to this, it was 57 years since Burnley had beat us. So. Oh. But, okay. All right. On to the final section. What in the world of football? I'm turning things back over to Jen. She's going to give us a little, a little, uh, information about a certain, uh, Lester star and, um, uh, a More record history. he may have reached.
2: Yeah. So as a history teacher, this is kind of, it's fitting in. Um, Jamie Vardy this past week, um, got his cool little doodad for, um, being a, um, Player that reached 100 goals. He's actually sitting at 102 right now. And so, what that means is we currently have three players, three active players in the Premier League that are sitting over 100. Uh, Vardy is sitting at 102, Kane is sitting at 138, and Aguero is sitting at 180, which, oh my God, that number's crazy. Um, part of what I wanted to get you guys to look at is and, and weigh in on is who you think is going to be the next player to reach a hundred. So, um, Giroux is sitting at 83. Mane is sitting at 82. Raheem Sterling is sitting at 80. Sala is sitting at 75. Um, Benteke is sitting at 72. Walcott from Everton is at 74. Sigurdsson, Also from Everton is 61, and Aubameyang from Arsenal is sitting at 52. So of those, what are your thoughts?
3: So the two Liverpool players in Sterling are the only ones who realistically have a chance to reach it next year. Giroud's probably out of the league, and Benteke has been about as cold as you can be in life. Uh, So I would say either Mane or Salah get it first with a slight edge to Salah.
4: And Aubameyang will be gone from Arsenal. He'll be overseas again before he gets to that, in my opinion.
1: I think Mason Greenwood's going to get it. He's on uh, <laughs> nine Premier League goals already. This is year one. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I uh, I I like Mane for this one. Uh, I think uh, Salah is has been doing well, and he definitely picks up goals. But um, I see Mane as the the stronger long-term. Uh, goal scorer in in uh, Liverpool's front three, and I think Sterling uh, will be lucky to get to a hundred. I think he's got one more good season in him, and then he's and then he's going to start to see his decline. Uh, and I agree with you guys about Giroud and Benteke. I think Giroud's gone. I think Benteke is honestly. I think Benteke might be gone as well. So,
0: yeah. Sorry, I was surprised. Surprised Benteke was even on the list when I did my research too. I saw. I was surprised.
4: He was incredible for a couple of seasons. He and he was Liverpool. this close to coming to Spurs. He was this close to coming to Spurs when we had A V B. so.
1: Manteke's been in the league for quite a while. I think he, uh, I think he hit uh, 70 goals in the Premier League in, like, 2001. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit of a, a rough few years.
2: Yeah. Okay, he's only been in the Premier League for eight seasons, but that's okay. I'm just
1: kidding. I'm just kidding.
3: The (laughs) interesting thing about Salah is when you look at his goal involvements, he's played 104 goals in the Premier League, and he's been involved in 100 goals. So 75 goals and 25 assists. So, you know, people who say he falls off, I mean, he is just a model of consistency for Liverpool.
2: Well, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in looking at this was looking at their ages, looking at how long they've been, um, in the Premier League, and, you know, where they've sat kind of compared to their their peers. And so Mo's sitting there really, like, in three seasons, he's reached 75 goals. Mane um, has taken him six seasons to get to that 82. Giroux um, is 33, and it's taken him eight seasons to get to that 83. Um, it was just, you know, anyway, it was – I'm going to weigh in. I'm going to say it's, it's going to be Mo, even though he's seven goals behind Mane and five goals behind Sterling.
0: I probably agree with you. The good, and I think the good thing about Mo is, you know, when he was with Roma and Chelsea, I don't think there's a lot of tre- uh, tread taken off the tires, so to speak, you know. I mean, he definitely has with us, but so far as with those other two clubs, he, he wasn't playing, you know, every single match, every single minute as well. So that kind of helps him for a longer career, which can help him get the uh, rise up the goal uh, charts. Awesome.
4: Awesome.
1: All right. Any other uh, what in the world of football news? we got a couple minutes left and uh, do we have anything else we want one. to throw out there?
4: I got a quick one. It's uh, ties directly to an American international Weston McKinney. So Shaka is actually facing some uh, pretty steep financial issues. So they're looking to, to sell off some of their more uh, valuable assets. They've also placed a wage cap on on players wages so some of their better players are looking to get out his contract runs through 2024 so it's not a contractual issue but he's one of their most valuable players the the fee is rumored to be around 25 million dollars which isn't a ton of money in in soccer but given covid the revenue lost to fans in the stands there's some there's going to be a limit on who can actually attract his services according to reports there are clubs in all the major leagues germany Italy, France, Spain, England, everyone is looking into him. It's just a matter of what fee they will demand. He's played over 30 matches two years in a row, which is impressive given his age and given the quality of that league. So uh, a central midfielder, American international available for transfer uh, at a reasonable price. I'll be curious to see what happens with him when the window opens. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, uh, that actually reminded me of uh, some more uh, news I heard about on American International. Uh, goalkeeper Zach Steffen uh, apparently is returning to Man City next g- season to become uh, number two behind uh, uh, Ederson. Uh, so, which is great news for Zach Steffen and his progress. Terrible news for me as a fan of Zach Steffen and him going to the Crosstown Rivals. Uh, but, you know, he, uh, he's, he's, Worked his way in. He was he was first choice keeper keeper uh, with his club in because he was out on loan in Germany. Uh, first choice keep, keeper over there until his injury, and uh, drew a lot of interest and, and performed really really well. So we're really proud uh, of him making it to that level. And I hope he get a chance to feature uh, for uh, you know a few games for City next season.
3: I, I've just got one quick hitter. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, talk about um, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite all time players, Laton. Um, faced off with Cristiano, probably the last matchup of those two grades. They've battled across leagues. Uh, Laton 38, Ronaldo 35, um, you know, the second best player in the world versus one of my favorites. Um, so they had a great game, AC Milan, uh, Juve, Juve went up two nothing. And then uh, AC stormed back and like, 10 minutes and scored four goals. So uh, if this is one of Zlatan's last years, uh, I salute you. It was uh, great watching you. Uh, A lot of fun. I'm sorry you played for United. That kind of ruined you for me, but uh, definitely we'll miss you and and, uh, your antics.
1: One of the best decisions he ever made. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, We had a, we had a great time uh, talking about last weekend, this week's uh, upcoming Premier League matches and all the fun that goes along with it. Uh, As a reminder, you guys can uh, join in the conversation with us on Twitter. Uh, our, Our handle is at five F I V E A T B five at the back. That is again, five the word five f-i-v-e-a-t-b on twitter uh we also have an instagram page as well that you can get to through the twitter account uh so come check us out if you have any questions insight input want to tell us our opinions are absolutely horribly wrong i love it i love to to have open honest conversations and even a little bit of banter so uh feel free to join us come follow us come talk to us and we look forward to talking to you again next week thank you guys so much